0: Hi friends, I'm Sharon Betters, and you're listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And our vision at Mark Inc. is to offer help and hope, especially to those who are hurting. And I am so excited to introduce to you our guest today, Stephanie Hubach. Stephanie is passionate about helping not only the parents of children with disabilities, but all of us to better understand the uniqueness and the indispensability of those who God has created with disabilities. She has recently written a book that is called Parenting and Disabilities, Abiding in God's Presence. She is also the author of Same Lake, Different Boat. Stephanie's whole life revolves around helping us understand that what we often call weaker is actually what God calls stronger. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, disabilities, about the needs of parents of children with disabilities. We're gonna talk about what it means when we understand that uh, children with disabilities are indispensable and how our worldview when it comes to disabilities can be transformative in our own lives as well as in the life of the church. So I am so grateful to introduce to you Stephanie Hubach, Uh, author of this wonderful devotional book called Parenting and Disabilities, Abiding in God's Presence. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me today for the Help and Hope podcast. We have had the opportunity to talk before for one of our Help and Hope podcasts. And so, listener, I would recommend that you go to markinc.org where you can learn more about stephanie just go to the help and hope page and put stephanie hubock in the search and you'll find her and it's a wonderful conversation about her son tim and so stephanie why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and especially about tim introduce us to tim
1: well, my husband Fred and I have been married for 38 years, and we have two adult sons. Our oldest son, Fred, and his wife, Cecilia, live in Washington, D.C. with our granddaughter, Caroline. So <laughs> we we uh, are, are having a great time being grandparents, and our younger son, Tim, who has Down syndrome, lives in his own apartment with us downstairs in our house, and he's doing great. He works at a local grocery store and works at a doctor's office, just uh, played in praise band. At church yesterday and volunteers in the uh, preschool Sunday school class too.
0: So he lives a full and happy life. Well, I uh, follow you on social media and every once in a while, you'll give a little snippet about Tim and he, I wish he was my neighbor. He sounds <laughs> incredible. He sounds really wonderful. Well, in your book, you just written a book called Parenting and Disabilities Abiding in God's Presence, and it is a 31-day devotional. And I have to tell you, I don't parent a child with disabilities. We have children with disabilities in our extended family, but this book just meant so much to me. It opened my eyes and heart to things that I hadn't really thought deeply about, and I hope that it will go beyond the target audience that you had in mind when you were writing because I think it could be so transformative for people in their interactions with children with disabilities, as well as the families. But you start out, you say that your child is different, but not less. Hmm. What do you mean by that? I think that, uh, you know,
1: encounters with people with disability bring forth all sorts of different reactions from folks, right? And I think the thing that it's easy to forget is that those reactions say a whole lot more about the person who is experiencing the reaction, right. Than they say about your child per se, right. We have a tendency is certainly in American culture to see people with disabilities as kind of the other, right. That, that it's a difference that somehow is entirely different, you know, a life that's entirely different than yours and mine or a, that they have needs, core needs that are completely different than yours and mine. And it creates this space, right? This this distance, this otherness between people. And I think that really just comes from an inaccurate way of thinking, right? And so your child does have differences, right? And some of those differences do create some level of difficulty, right? They also create some level of blessing, right? So we don't want to negate that either. But there is there's often an obvious level of some difficulty that comes with that but what we have to remember is that all people have needs, right? And all people, even if they have additional needs, it doesn't make the person inferior, right? If anything, uh, awareness of our vulnerability doesn't make us less human. You know, it actually, it actually makes us more aware of our humanity, right? And so, so the, the issue is that, is that, yes, your child is different. They may have differences that are noticeable physically, intellectually, socially, right? And those differences may impart some difficulty, but it doesn't, doesn't impart otherness. It doesn't impart less than, right? It actually is, a, is the entry point or pathway to a fuller understanding of humanity, right? And so, so I think it's really important to get that out of the gate, right? <laughs> right, right out of the beginning. Yep, there are differences. Different does not imply less than, it's actually a unique opportunity that God provides us an entree, right, into actually a fuller understanding of what it means to be
0: human. Yeah, I, I think really what you're talking about is a worldview. Mm-hmm. It's the way that you view someone or something in your heart is going to dictate your responses and your behavior toward that yeah. person a yes. lot of the time. So, and I think about, you know, the comments that, the, and it's just a, a perfect example of, attitude of another person toward a, a child with disabilities, they don't look at them as a full human being. They look at them as as broken or less than and yeah. you don't really want that child in your life to a parent, maybe a doctor might say, we know your child is going to be born with mm-hmm. disabilities. You can terminate the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Other remarks like that, that mm-hmm. like you said, it shows something about the person who's speaking, not yeah. about your child. But right. how do you deal with those kinds of comments? Do you try to tell the person you're wrong on this or do you ignore it? Um, Do you go into a dark place? How how do you deal with that?
1: Yeah. I, you know, for parents who have kids with down syndrome often because there's prenatal testing that can be done. The the first question is, did you know? Right. And did you know, can be asked in a whole bunch of different ways, right? Like, Oh, did you know? Like, Oh no, I didn't know. I didn't do prenatal testing. Right. Or did you know, like, as in, did you know, and if you knew, how could you not have done something about that, right? And I actually had a relative, an extended family member, who said to my dad when Tim was born, I would have thought she'd have done the right thing, <laughs> right? I mean, so, uh, yeah, so there are all sorts of implications, again, that come from that person's view, right, that doesn't doesn't necessarily reflect at all what a biblical understanding is of 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 a child with special needs, of the nature of suffering, of whether disability itself is suffering or not, right? It's so, all, right, there's difficulties. There are times they're suffering, there are times they're not, right? For yeah. all parents, I think they're suffering because part of the nature of the parental journey always involves <laughs> suffering, right? But it's a difference of degree and a difference of application, right, sometimes of what that looks like. So I'm, I'm digressing here a little bit, but I think... Um, it reflects more when you get comments like that it reflects more a view that life touched by disability is a a life defined by endless merciless suffering right um which is just simply not true right and it also reflects a view that all suffering where it does exist should be avoided at all costs right which is also not true right and and so i think the way in terms of responding to that i think it still sounds simplistic but i think it, it's what works for me, right? Which is to, as it said, the scriptures say that Jesus was full of grace and truth, right? So you respond in grace and say, how much did I understand or not understand about disability before Tim was born, right? So that posture helps me. The second is that grace basically uh, means responding with undeserved kindness, right? <laughs> undeserved kindness in the face of offense. So that's the grace piece. The truth part then becomes, you know, educating about disability, right? And helping people to see uh, the world differently, to see other people differently, Um, educating about the value of every person, right? And then educating about God's gifts that come in the midst of struggle that sometimes only come, right, through suffering and struggle. So so I think holding those things in tension, both truth and grace, right? It's easy when somebody's offensive to you to just go straight for truth, (laughs) right? But also to respond with grace. And, you know, at times when Tim was a little, where I would feel like people would do or say something in the grocery store. And there were times that I felt like I would just decide in advance whether I was up to an engagement or not, you know, said if I get a stupid comment. <laughs> today, right? And I I, was like, I think I'm up to educating today. Right. Another other days, like I'm going to give myself permission to just walk away from anything that happens today. I I, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I think you have to, for your own mental health and emotional and spiritual health, sometimes you have to set some boundaries on other people's remarks.
0: I think what you're saying, it makes a lot of sense. It's um, really, it's saying, what is my purpose today? You know, what has God equipped me to do today? And I'm pretty sure that he hasn't equipped me to confront this person today. Or like you said, this is a day with grace and truth to be kind but it's a daily thing. But I think, keep going back to what is my purpose today. And the other thing I love, Stephanie, about you and your journey is that you remind us that there's great joy in the pathway, that having a child with disabilities is not a death sentence. It's not a sentence Mm -hmm. to a life of horrific struggle and pain and all of that. And it's a lot of pers- in your perspective, and your heart. Mm-hmm. If you go back to your worldview that yeah. God created this beautiful child for a purpose. I want to talk about that in a few minutes. But you talk in your book about how God's deliverance can precede a difficulty in your mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. could you share a story in your own life where you saw God do that? Yeah, it's this whole idea that God God makes a way before we know we have a problem, right? <laughs>
1: And I think if we remember that that's always true, there are times we see it in this wow sort of way, right <laughs> but but because of who God is and how what a faithful father he is to us, that's always true he's He's never caught surprised by our circumstances, right He has always created a way before we ever even become aware of the circumstances and and so I think um for me one you know one example that Tim had bacterial spinal meningitis as a baby, right. And the way that came about, actually, not biologically, but <laughs> step by step in terms of how that day unfolded, he'd had a cardiology, had a severe cardiac defect, which a lot of kids with Downs have. And we had this 8 a.m. appointment at Hershey Medical Center, which is it's getting a, an infant and a two-year-old off to their respective places in time for 8 a.m. appointment. <laughs> No, no easy task. Anyway, so I had fought having that appointment, and it was the only day they would give me an appointment. I mean, the only day, the only time. I was like, okay. So, I, I, it, we made it happen. I got there, and the doctor was three hours late. Okay, so, and this is what I always remind myself now when I, <laughs> I am way late somewhere because what happened at the end of that three hours? He had a great little checkup. We're checking out, and all of a sudden, he's Tim just started to look really agitated. He. Started to he was already he had reflux so he often had his you know his own gastrointestinal thing going right but he was he was not himself and the nurse looked at him and and said is he okay and I said he does not seem yeah he's doing more than he usually does and then she checked me out and I heard and I know I'm Presbyterian (laughs) but I heard a voice and I am not kidding (laughs) and it clears a bell in my my mind like it was a road sign in capital letters, do not go home. Do not go home. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm not going home. So I went back into the waiting room, sat down within in less than five minutes, Tim just started to nosedive. His breathing went shallow, um, all sorts of difficulties. Um, and, and anyway, basically he, he ended up being admitted to the, to the hospital, had uh, bacterial spinal meningitis. So he would have, he would have died in the car on the way Home, right? If I had so that's just an example of where God gave me an appointment I didn't want in a in a place I didn't want to be, right? <laughs> With a doctor that wasn't on time, right? And yet, because of the ordering of those circumstances, he had already put me in the absolute best place, only place that would have saved Tim's life in the first place.
0: It was an amazing experience when I look back at it. It's and, you know, God uses all kinds of things. He doesn't have to stick with our little uh, definition of how he speaks yeah. to us. Right. He surprises right. us exactly. Ways, exactly at the right moment. That's that's amazing.
1: I can give you a more, yeah. a, a less dramatic one, if you want a less dramatic version. You know, yeah. We had wanted him, to, he had done a, a very inclusive elementary experience. We wanted to follow up with that in middle school. We got so much resistance from our school district, for middle school. I mean, I, that's a whole story in and of itself. So we ended up agreeing to put him in a life skills class in another district for his middle school years with the plan of bringing him back to the local high school, right? So I basically said, I will only do this one classroom that had this Christian teacher who had been teacher of the year was amazing. It's like, this is not the right placement for Tim, but if I have to do it, I'll do it here, right? So two weeks before school, they of course, they placed us in another district. And I went back to the... (laughs) Right. And, and I was like, I guess maybe we didn't have a clear understanding. Right? But wow. anyway, miraculously, what do you know? All of a sudden there's an opening, right, in that classroom. And, and that was exactly what Tim needed in that time period. When I look back at that, we, his teacher's name was Sandy Yoder. We used to call her Sergeant Yoder. <laughs> she, she just ran a tight ship and Tim needed to be weaned off of having had an aide, right? And learn to really do things independently. And it's what actually set him up for success in high school. So those roadblocks, even, even a roadblock can be God's provision, right? And his way of creating a pathway that sends you down the channel of where he wants you to be in order to do what he intends to do.
0: Wow. I can see how he is sanctifying you all these years <laughs> through your wonderful son. That, you know, lots of times it's not about the other person that we're concerned about. It's about Mm -hmm. our own hearts and Mm -hmm. teaching you about trusting him. So when you're facing the next crisis, I I would imagine that would be a reminder to you, you know, just like you tell Israelites, remember my faithfulness can diminish some of the anxiety. Um, It's Mm -hmm. still a war. I know it's still a war, but Stephanie, ever since I've known you from the first time I met you, I've been reading your work, your books, Mm -hmm. and you have made it really clear that your child is indispensable it doesn't matter what the world sees the view of you know their definition of broken or anything like that the child is uh, indispensable why do you say that and why is it so important for not only the parents to understand this but for us for those of us who who are not um, in the middle in the thick of the battle
1: first of all I just want to touch base on what you said about brokenness because I think one of the that's one of those errors that we make is we look at people with disabilities and we say, well, you're broken, but what's the implication? I'm not. The universal nature of the human condition is that, that because we live in a world impacted by the fall, every person in, in every aspect of their personhood experiences degrees of brokenness. And so what we call disability is just a more noticeable form of the difficulty and bro- brokenness that's common to the human experience, right? So when we get that set, <laughs> Right. And and again, it's another one of those inferior, superior constructs, right, that we tend to create out of our worldview. Right. But this whole idea of, of, of being indispensable comes from First Corinthians 12, 22. Right. Where Paul says, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Right. And so right away there, there there's that whole thing of perspective, too. Right. The ones that seem to be weaker, is that because we're maybe noticing aspects in which they do have greater weakness or vulnerability, that doesn't mean they're universally weaker or weaker people, right? <laughs> and it doesn't mean and that we think they're less honorable because we're importing our value system, not God's, onto onto that person, and that, that it just exposes that worldview. And so I, I think Andy Crouch's book, Strong and Weak, he, he does a really great job of Talking about that flourishing takes place at what he calls the intersection of authority and vulnerability. And so let me explain that. So he said what he means is that he describes authority as the capacity for meaningful action, right? And vulnerability as exposure to meaningful risk. And he says, look at the life of Jesus, because Le- Jesus' life is full of the capacity for meaningful action and the fullest forms of exposure to meaningful risk for us. And that real flourishing in life takes place only when both of those things are present. But, but what we tend to think about life, that typical person usually says, oh, the more authority, the more control, right, I have, and the less vulnerability, the better off I'm going to be. And what people with disabilities actually do for our communities is they draw us out of our little... <laughs> Keep me in the power and control quadrant, right? And and cause us, if we engage in relationships that are loving, right? Cause us to to actually enter into their vulnerability. and, And then they take us, right? To a place of flourishing. So it's impossible to get to flourishing Without that experience of vulnerability, people with, with disabilities lead us there, right? I mean, I think that's an amazing. It's one of those amazing paradoxes <laughs> right? of the Christian life in some ways.
0: Well, I think it's like they're hidden treasures that Paul Absolutely. is trying to tell us about. He's yeah. he's saying to us, "You are going to lose out if you don't yeah. recognize the value of what you think is weak. It's actually stronger, and it brings more to the body." And I. You know that takes me back to something we met, I mentioned just a little bit earlier about transformation in a church. Mm-hmm. Where how many churches there are that have not captured the vision, the joy of mm-hmm. having ministries that are designed specifically to not set aside those who have disabilities, but to integrate them into the life of the church. And you know how does that transform the church? So. I know that you're passionate about that. I know Mm -hmm. that you've talked, you know, your God is using you to open up hearts and eyes of church leadership to understand the incredible gift that Mm -hmm. we are not experiencing. So talk to us a little bit about that, that Mm -hmm. how viewing a child who is disabled or a family that is caring for a disabled child as indispensable to the church, how can that transform? Form a church in a very specific way.
1: I think when we approach people with disabilities with a positive sense of expectancy, we have a tendency to look at people with disabilities through this lens of being consumers of our care, which automatically makes us kind of move back because we're, we're like, this is going to cost me something, right? If that's the lens through which you see the person. If the lens to which you see the person is like, yes, there are going to be needs and some of the needs are going to be greater. That's true. I'm not saying that there aren't needs there, but there are also gifts there and and the gifts that are uniquely packaged, right? So sometimes we actually fail to see the gifts because first of all, we're not looking for them, right? Because we're not expecting to see them. We're just we're just looking at someone as a need package. And secondly, we are surprised at how the gift comes packaged, so, a lot of people with Down syndrome, for instance, can be very insightful, incredibly insightful. They're great teachers. Could they pass the ordination exam? <laughs> right, they can't pass the ordination exam, but it doesn't mean they don't have anything to teach us. Right, it doesn't mean they're not actually profound teachers. To tell you a quick story about that, Tim Tim wanted to, to take communion, and we had sort of worked through the education process of that early on, and, and realized we weren't there yet. Right, and then. A couple of years went by and, and one day the bread and the wine were passing, right? And t- tears started to just scream down his face, right? And I, he was weeping because he couldn't take communion, right? And we got home and he said over, over lunch, he goes, I love Jesus just like you and dad do. And I no. looked at him and I said, no, you don't. <laughs> you love Jesus much more than I do. I have never shed tears over the fact that I couldn't take communion. So Tim's understanding of the depth of the meaning of the gospel and his heartfelt commitment to Christ and his need to to communion is a is a communal experience. right? Like, to be part of that community. I don't know. I just think to me that was just a, such a clear example. Of and that's what that's what often people with intellectual disabilities, in particular, have this head turning way of capturing your attention about a truth that you. Know in your head a certain way, but man, they just have this way of bringing it to light where everybody yeah. goes say what?
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've you shared some of those uh, Timisms on social media, and I, I'm blown away by right. the depth that he has and the tenderness that he has for the Lord and for his life and for yeah. the ministry that he has. Like when he's on his way to work, what does he say when he's on his way to work? Just Let's go and get those
1: customers. Customer service for the glory of God. <laughs> If all of us
0: could do that, yeah. wouldn't that be amazing? It's the
1: best work ethic. I think, we need to, I think we need to
0: put them to work in
1: order to get everybody else back to
0: work. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking another thing that would happen, and I think as churches embrace the gift mm-hmm. of disabilities is it may change the way we look at each other uh, yes. across the board. You know, exactly. like you just said, looking at somebody, is just this is a care, this is a care package where yeah. all I'm and we can look at people who even look normal who we right. know are so messed up mm-hmm. inside as that's all this is about I'm there yeah. to help you but I'm not looking at the gifts that are going to come back to me the right. blessings that come back to me as a result right. of it it's such an ever-binding circle yeah. of seeing why God says the weaker is really the greater and yeah. because his perspective is eternal and the glory of God, you know, like Tim's got it to the glory of God. And yeah. I mean, just that is reminding me of that my work is f- to be for his glory. Right. So I I just love Tim, even though I've never met him. It's wonderful to hear about him. So we have to make that happen sometimes. <laughs> that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Stephanie, I you know, we talked earlier, we could talk all day, but we need to wrap up our conversation now for this podcast. But as we are finishing, could you just imagine sitting across the table from a mom who is really struggling with, you know, maybe she just learned that she, her child is going to be born with disabilities, or, she's, it's, or maybe she has been parenting for a long time and she just doesn't know how, she feels like she's drowning. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is she going to survive the next day, the next minute? Um, just share a little bit with her some hope that you have experienced in your own life? I think the biggest thing is just to remember that you are not alone, right? And I mean, and that we, the, this journey
1: can feel very alone. And yet it's also the entry point into which we can actually find a really deep relationship with Christ. Because what the what the scriptures really teach us from A to Z, only from Genesis to Revelation, right, is that we are not alone, right? We are, that God is with us. And that he's with us in a, in a myriad of different ways over that the, the story of scripture as it unfolds and in our lives at a practical level. And so I think one of the things, like I said earlier, all, all parenting includes some form of suffering, right? And suffering that, that comes from some of the heartaches and the challenges that come with the struggle of parenting a child with disabilities, right? Actually have the ability to, to take us more deeply into a reliance on Christ, right, in that moment. And and so I think remembering that we're not alone, that God is with us, that Jesus is with us in our suffering, that he actually enters into our suffering, right? I mean, we look at at Rebecca McLaughlin, I was telling you about a book earlier, right? This book, Confronting Christianity, has a great chapter on suffering, and she talks about the whole story of uh, Lazarus, right, where Martha comes out to meet Jesus because she had asked Jesus to come. Her brother was sick. Lazarus dies. Jesus mysteriously waits two days to come, right? And and she talks about how God meets us in that space between where we call for him and where he does what he's going to do. And then it's it's in that space of suffering, of hanging there, being suspended in in that difficulty, right? Where Jesus, that's where Jesus says to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. That the in the end, and that is actually the greatest gift that comes out of the struggle is to know we're not alone and to find Christ in it. The second thing though, is we don't do that alone. We're not meant to walk alone. And so we really have to find your people. Other people who will point you to that same pathway with Christ, whether it's other believers who also have kids with disabilities, whether it's a, a Christ honoring church, right? Where you can attend, but you're not also not meant to walk this journey alone. So you're not alone. Christ is with you. Seek him even more deeply in the experiences that you have, right? you're not meant to walk alone, find your people and enter into their lives as well and let them enter into yours. Because that's another thing we do. Sometimes we can get so used to sort of carrying things ourselves that we forget how to let other people help us as well. So.
0: Stephanie, thank you. I mean, that is good counsel for other life experience as well. All of those truths are, they're universal truths that are so specific, but we forget them sometimes when we're in the darkness and in the middle of the Ocean and feeling pounded. So, thank you so much for that encouragement and wisdom. And uh, one of the purposes of our Help and Hope podcast is to share stories from people who are right in the middle of a crisis or a challenging season, but they can call back and they can say, "God is sovereign, and you can trust Him." And friends, I hope that you are hearing that in Stephanie's story and her voice that she is calling back to you. God is sovereign, and you can trust Him and I hope that you will get a hold of her book. I'm gonna have the links of the books that she mentioned in our conversation, as well as her books. She has another book that she wrote called Same Lake, Different Boat, which I highly recommend as well. She just is an amazing person who has a passion for helping others understand what God's call is to us and to see that what we think is lesser is actually the greater. And I just appreciate you so much, Stephanie. I'm Sharon Betters, and you have been listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. I hope that you will check out markinc.org, where you're going to find lots and lots of free resources just like this one. Our vision at Mark Inc. is to offer help and hope, especially to those who are hurting. And so we have covered a multitude of topics that are designed not just to encourage the person who is hurting, but to equip those who love them to come alongside of them in the journey. So Again, thank you so much, and I look forward to being with you again. I hope that you'll go to markinc.org where you can subscribe so that you will not miss one Help and Hope podcast. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.